Bob Sewell. I'm an attorney, but I'm also a partner at the law firm of Davis Miles McGuire Gardner. The name of this podcast is Is That Even Legal? And that's a line you've probably heard in a dozen movies, but I have this question from my clients almost every day. When we have the law in our lives, it changes us, it affects us. No one's immune, celebrities, the rich, the poor. No one will escape the effects of the law. And I want to get answers to you and answers to my questions. And I don't want legal mumbo jumbo. That's why I started this podcast. I want real answers from real professionals. I hope this is fun. I hope this is informative. I hope it's enlightening for you. Thanks for listening. Without listeners, this podcast doesn't happen. I hear we've been getting some reviews about the podcast. I have my producer, Paul, here. Tell me about that. We are getting a lot of reviews, Bob. And wherever you listen to this podcast, please go on and leave us a review. We got one five-star review on iTunes from Julie here. She says, the podcast is eye-opening. The topics and discussions are fantastic. And that she's learning a ton. That's awesome. Thanks, Paul. Today's guest is Christy McMurdy. Christy, thanks for coming on. Is that even legal? Thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be here, especially on St. Patty's Day. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, You know, with red hair, they're always asking me, are you Irish? And you got to celebrate for St. Patty's Day. They feel like I need to really get into it. (laughs) Never the topic. I wanted to have you on because you're a well-respected divorce attorney. You're the owner of McMurdy Law. You're the past chair of the Arizona Business Council. You're an active member of the Tempe Chamber of Commerce. You're a graduate of ASU Law. And most importantly for you right now, you're the founder of the Collaborative Professionals of Phoenix. And I wanted to have you on to talk about divorce. Now, I know divorce is not a really happy subject. It's not a pleasant subject. You know, sometimes it's necessary. And a lot of people find relief and happiness after divorce. But it's ugly, right? Very ugly and And, can get really um, just uh, devastating for years. Yeah. Yeah. It brings out the worst in people. It harms people spiritually, financially. Um, It interferes with their economic, (laughs) with their economics. It interferes Mm -hmm. with their family relationships. People lose friends. I hear people say, I've lost half my friends to my wife or my husband. They lose respect among their peers. It can affect Third parties like children and the in-laws that feel divided in their loyalties. Maybe they still love the person who they were, you know, their kid was married to. It interferes with, you know, extended families. And, you know, and the worst part is when it really gets ugly is when the accusations start to flow. For example, people accuse each other of physical abuse and mental abuse. Um, Sometimes those accusations are justified and sometimes they're not. And sometimes... Of those accusations, uh, orders of protection get issued and requested, and sometimes those accusations are justified and sometimes they're not. But regardless, your dirty laundry is aired to the world. I mean, divorce in the courts is a public proceeding. You know, celebrities, (laughs) celebrities are not immune to this too. They go into these marriages with the best of intentions and they have famously had their dirty laundry aired. Uh, Kristen, Kristen Cavallari and Jerry Cutler, she accused him of inappropriate marital conduct. 
Angela Jolie accused Brad Pitt of child abuse. Amber Heard accused Johnny Depp of spousal abuse. And countless others have had their their custody battles in, in court, their spousal support battles, their property divisions, their money woes. Everything's exposed. And sometimes people view this as entertainment, but it's not. This is this is real people. Real people go through this, not just celebrities. That train wreck that is the divorce court is harmful. So is there an alternative? There really is an alternative, and I've been advocating it since the first year I started practicing family law. After about a year, I said, there's got to be a better way. Yeah, right. (laughs) There has to be. So I found out about mediation, and I became trained in mediation, and I've been doing mediation now for about 25 years. Um, And then a few years ago, I got trained on collaborative law. And uh, in collaborative, you form a team at the beginning of the case, and the judge is notified, and you have all your meetings privately, and no hearings are set. And so all the documents get exchanged privately. There's nothing done publicly. So it's really good for the stars to design their own divorce and use a collaborative team. I've heard it referred to as designer divorce. Is that really true? Yes. You can design it your own way by uh, having your own team. And the parties actually go out and they find together their financial neutral to help them divide their assets and to find their therapist coach to help with the emotional part of the case and help with the custody part if you have children. Okay. So let me, let me get this straight. So instead of going to the court and airing your dirty laundry, you keep it private. Is that what you're saying? Yes, you keep it private. And each of you, though, the difference between mediation and collaborative is with collaborative, you have your own lawyer who's been collaboratively trained. Usually they have a huge background in mediation and they're also really good at family law. So it's a high level of professionalism that's been developed for the collaborative lawyers. But each party will have their own collaborative lawyer. Okay, so each party has a lawyer and who else is involved in a collaborative divorce? It's whatever the parties need. So if they only need a financial neutral in addition to the collaborative lawyers, they'll have a part a team of three, the two lawyers and the financial neutral. Or if they have children or there are some other extenuating communication issues, they will want to have a collaborative uh, therapist that's been trained in collaborative who actually uh, facilitates the team meetings and then handles the emotional part of it. Sometimes they have side meetings with each party to help them be ready for meetings um, if there's some emotional issues or communication issues that need to be brought to bear. So, but it, how do you reach a decision with this? I mean, it sounds great, but mm-hmm. if if one of the issues, let's say the issue is custody, cust- who gets the kids and what mm-hmm. time frames and, mm-hmm. and the handoffs, those handoffs can be really controversial. True. Um, how do they come to a resolution? Well, that's the beauty of having a team. So the beauty of having a team is everybody brings their brilliant mind to the table and you're in a non-stressful private environment that you've planned in advance. Okay. So that's pretty cool, right? You're not stressed out the way people are in flight or fight defense in courtrooms. And I don't think it brings out the brilliance in people at all. Okay, true. Uh, Yeah. So a lot of bad decisions are made there because of the stress. 
Well, with collaborative, you're at a table that you've, you know, private place and you've come prepared. The team has had a pre-team meeting, so they're prepared for what's going to happen at the meeting. Then there's a meeting with the parties to accomplish certain things. And then there's a post-team meeting with the professionals. So everybody stays on the rails and everything's handled with really good planning. How long does it take? Well, usually a collaborative uh, team meeting, you'll have a half an hour with the professional team. And then it's two to three hours with the parties. And then there's usually a half an hour follow-up in the uh, post-team, you know, post-view meeting that the professionals do. So it's about a four-hour stint. And then you meet, you know, a week or two later when the parties are ready and everybody schedules this out according to their calendars. Okay. So during COVID, we actually did a collaborative case. Um, One party was living across the country And because of COVID, uh, we would have done this anyway, but we did the whole thing on Zoom in full team meetings at an office and everybody was Zooming in and it worked out beautifully. Well, it sounds great, but what if I have complicated assets? There's a business involved Mm -hmm. and I got to somehow divide up this business. This is too much for that sort of uh, contentious divorce, right? Um, Well, what happens when you have large assets like that is that you involve other professionals and the team decides who they need. So if we need to do an appraisal, a business appraisal, there's a decision amongst the group, especially the parties, and they agree on who they'll bring in to help with the appraisal of whatever asset you have. And so then the, the team will form a basis on what they know the assets are worth. And then you work from there to figure out how you're going to offset or divide. Christy, I got to tell you, I'm incredibly skeptical, okay? And (laughs) the reason why, you're a very nice person, but I'm skeptical. And the reason why is if they can't get along in marriage, why would I ever think these bozos could get along in divorce? Well, it's a lot worse in litigation than it is usually at the table in collaborative. Now, collaborative takes a high level of expertise. Okay, You want people who have experience at the table. And I will say that with all the cases I've done, the outcome that we've had is some some of the most proud legal moments of my life. Tell me. Because we've had four brilliant people at the table that have training, usually 20 years of whatever they've done, whether it's financial uh, planning, you know, divorce financial planning, that would be the financial neutral, or a therapist who's been doing therapy, or the lawyers who've been lawyers for 10, 15, 20 years, plus mediation, plus collaborative training. So that's a lot of professional skill set combined at the table. And our outcomes are phenomenal for people. I have never had cases where at the end of the case, when everybody signed all the documents, the opposing party will come over and give me a hug and vice versa. My client will go over to opposing counsel and give them a hug. That's the kind of openness, the kind of brainstorming, the kind of freedom that you feel in a meeting that's set up correctly through collaborative law. You know, I've often felt like the adversarial system, why it, it can't, it's necessary in, in some circumstances. I've often felt that it's incredibly destructive. And and I counsel cl- my clients about the destructive nature that litigation is uh, on you physically, spiritually, emotionally. And when they go in eyes wide open, then they typically have a, I mean, a better experience. I don't, I don't know how else to say it, but I hear this, what you're saying. 
you got to have the right attorney to do this. Yeah. You have to have the uh, the attorney who really speaks truth because I've seen attorneys rile their clients to litigation to you know just really get them going so they'll stay in this heated contention you know, and, and make money for themselves. Yes, it makes the attorneys needed for a longer period of time, usually. And uh, there, so there's one, one quote I read this morning before I came here that said, if we had tried to do divorce any other way but collaborative, we would still be fighting. Yeah. And so some of the, I've, I, in the early days, I had, I had some divorces that lasted three years. That's a lot of money out of people's pockets. And to be under that much stress, it causes PTSD. We now know those kinds of family struggles that go on for that long a period of time leave you with PTSD. Yeah, I I don't doubt it. I mean, I I don't I don't doubt it. I, I often tell a story. I went and I had this case. It was a civil case. And. I tried it and the case took years to resolve and it was the most fantastic. Someday I'll tell the entire story, but it was the most fantastic set of facts. And there was, you know, people were murdered and there was false accusations and people were arrested and it was absolutely nuts. And it lasted years. And at the end of the day, I had the most fantastic jury verdict I could have gotten, ever gotten. And my clients won everything and got paid at the end. And I absolutely know that they, if they could have avoided it all, they would have done it. And, and it was, and I, and I know that because when I got done and I got them the verdict, jury verdict, I said, you know, you know, thanks for being great clients and uh, thanks for sticking with this. And, you know, there was just sort of like, yeah, thanks, Bob. And that was it. I mean, it, they sh- you would have thought they had been on cloud nine. They weren't. Because it's so hard. Yeah. And so painful. Yeah. 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 But one thing I'm still skeptical about is the money costs. The judge is free, right? <laughs> I go to a judge, the judge, I don't pay the judge, taxpayer dollars pay the judge, right? So I pay them indirectly, but the judge is free. And you're talking about hiring all these experts. Mm-hmm. Oh, you mean in collaborative? In collaborative. No, there's not all these experts. It's only what the parties need. It is customized. The team is customized and chosen by the parties. Okay. So it's it's what does their estate, their marital state, and what does their family need in this particular But case? still, the judge is free, Christy. This seems expensive. This seems, this does, and we, it's designer divorces. Celebrities do this stuff, right? Yeah. Not me, not average yeah. Joes. Yeah. Tell me about that. Average Joes. Well, the, in, in Arizona, we know that there's a lot of people that do divorces on their own using the self-help forms that are on the Maricopa County website. Mm-hmm. And in that case, the judges oftentimes have to become a neutral mediator, more neutral than they would be as if they just had to judge it because they have to balance the power and the lack of knowledge that's in the courtroom. And it's really hard on those judges. I I feel uh, a lot of sympathy for our family court judges because they have people that are unrepresented that don't know what they're doing. I I remember sitting in court one time and the parties were sent away for the third time because they didn't have their paperwork right. So this is a burden on the judges. It is. And any time that we can take something out of the courtroom, each one of them has from what I recall, 27,000 active, this is family bench, 27,000 cases 
9,000 of which are active. Can you imagine the pressure of that? This is each judge on the family bench. That's a lot of family cases. So anytime that we can pull something away and get it resolved is, is actually a benefit to our judges, to our judiciary. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, so you're saying it's a benefit to the taxpayer system, but it, but what about me? What about you? Okay. My so my finances, I'm only, I'm only, look at Chris, yeah. I'm only concerned about me, 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 me. Right? Uh, and in divorce, it's even more so just so, concerned about you in divorce. You betcha. Am I going to be forking over more money for this type of process? In collaborative, um, you do have, to, each party is going to be paying for their own lawyer, but you would, if you had a lawyer outside of a collaborative case anyway, what drives the cost up a lot in, in uh, divorce cases though, is discovery, motion work. That's where you spend a lot of money and that stuff is public. It gets filed with the court and everyone can see it. You talk about dirty laundry, it's from discovery. Yeah. Whereas in a collaborative case, documents are exchanged informally. Okay. Yeah. There's no motions about it. Everybody has to disclose there's expected transparency and that saves money alone. You have to know what your values are, though. So that has to be part of the case. In order to actually talk about something, you have to reach agreements on values of assets. Yeah. And from there is when you do your negotiating. Yeah. I could personally say, if you're preparing for trial, for every minute of trial, you you have hundreds of minutes outside to prepare for that one minute of trial. It's incredibly expensive to get ready for trial. I also kind of feel like, and what I like what you're saying is where I could see that there's savings and you could reach a better result. I feel like when you're going to trial, it's about the talent of the attorney and the preparation you put into the, into the trial. I mean, when I'm going to trial and I know I have to really nail this one. Mm -hmm. I'm meeting with my clients. I'm discussing their testimony. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm walking them through the facts with them. Okay. This is what's going to happen. This is what's cross examination is going to look like. That process is a lot like putting on some sort of theater production. I totally agree, you know, and so I do dress rehearsals with when I'm going to trial, we do dress rehearsals. Trust me. And my clients are well-prepared and it takes a lot of time and it's an investment. And they've got to understand that that's part of the litigation strategy. You have, you have to prepare to do well in court and it costs a lot of money. Well, that's not the way it is in collaborative cases, right? You don't have the dress rehearsal that you're paying for, right? You don't have the buildup of discovery and all of uh, what the staff that goes into getting that ready. No, and I and and it's about like winning in court is a large part about the talent of the attorney and the client to put on the production. But that has nothing to do with fact. Yes, and another problem that we have in Arizona, I don't know about other states. I've always practiced here. So I've been practicing in, in Arizona for uh, since 1992. So, but here we have short amounts of time for trial and for hearings. Yeah. And oftentimes there isn't time to get the full truth out. And that's where I think people are really shorted. So you talk about, um, you know, people being able to have their day in court. Um, 
one guy said about his collaborative process, not only was it an eye-opener, you were talking about eye-opening, but he said collaborative was an ear-opener and we had time to listen to each other. That's what I like. You don't get to do that in, in court. You, sometimes you have 15 minutes to put on real evidence and you're expecting your poor judge to make a decision based on fact. There was hardly any time to gather uh, actual facts with the amount of time that's given. Oh, yeah. And you could game that if you're if you're a clever attorney, you can game that issue. And it, 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 and what I like what I'm hearing about this collaborative process is, let's say you have less sophisticated attorney at creating the theatrics or a client who just doesn't have theatrics within him or her. It doesn't matter. It's about getting people to talk. That's what I really like what I'm hearing. Yes. And having empowerment at the table that they're self-empowered to make their own self-determined outcomes. And that's important to me. <laughs> I'm very egalitarian based, and I like it when people are empowered to be part of their the decisions that control the rest of their lives. Yeah. I also like the fact that you could put us if if you have a very challenging family situation and you have um, you know, one or more parents that is a challenging parent, maybe their parenting technique ain't so good, right? Mm -hmm. And to have some professionals involved to walk through some of those issues. Wow. That's so powerful for the kids. Do you have any experiences like that? Yes. Um, had a collaborative. So in terms of a collaborative case, we had um, a, a team set up and fortunately there was a, a kid issue that came up. And so the team agreed that our um, collaborative coach who facilitated our meetings was also going to be allowed to be working uh, with the child outside of the collaborative case. And then she brought information to the team about what was going on with the child. So you can bring in a child specialist that's separate than your coach, depending on what your coach feels comfortable with. Our team felt comfortable with letting our coach therapist to work separately with the child in that case. And it worked beautifully to bring them along, bring information to the team, and then we solved as a group. Wow. It was cool. Yeah, it was really great. So they walked away with better relationships. Yeah, that's our goal in collaborative is instead of having people devastated and, uh, you know, both financially and emotionally, and energetically, you know, just devastated. Um, we want them empowered to start the pathway of their new lives. But don't I get this through mediation? I mean, you, isn't this really just expensive mediation? Um, sometimes. Maybe discuss the differences. Yes. Um, the difference between mediation and collaborative is you have a finance, excuse me, you have a neutral mediator who um, usually, sh in my opinion, should be a practicing family lawyer because they're current on the law and they can tell the parties how the outcomes will go on certain types of choices. I've seen some mediation agreements where um, the person that they went to was maybe an accountant or a counselor and mm -hmm. uh, they did some things that were basically unenforceable. They made some agreements that would have not been enforceable in court. And so I'm, I have a prejudice that I think that if you're going to use a family mediator to mediate your divorce, they should also be a practicing family lawyer. Yeah. And that's just my prejudice because of what I've seen out there. Yeah. 
So a neutral mediator who is uh, trained in family law will help the parties to reach their agreements and can have can uh, prepare all the documents either through their staff or through an outside person Mm -hmm. that will prepare the documents. Um, You have to open your case in Arizona and you have to have a case because you, you know, you're married civilly and the state is, is um, honoring your marriage as a, as a um, valid marriage. So you have to use the state and our court system to actually get a divorce. Right. So there are people that actually enter into se- uh, separation agreements and they never do seek out a divorce and somehow that works for them. But most people that are separating really do want a divorce. And in that case, you have to open up a case in family court. Mm-hmm. And then you have to have an ending, which is your final decree or your final document, which is the decree of dissolution of marriage. Well, a mediator can pre- prepare those for you or a, a mediator's person that does the doc prep can prepare those documents. So that those are the costs involved, plus your filing fees. So when I do mediation, I usually meet with people three or four times, two or three hours in length, and the parties do their own homework. They go get their appraisals. They also do their own disclosure that type of thing. And they're more responsible for gathering documents and things than if I was representing a party, I would be in charge of getting all those things from them and then making sure they're just closed to the other side. And again, that's an increased cost. So the way that's different, mediating with parties, than collaborative is with collaborative, the parties create a team at the beginning of the right. case. And you bring in usually more than just the two collaboratively trained lawyers. Usually you bring in a financial neutral to help divide the assets. And then if there are children involved or extended emotional issues, um, you'll bring in a communication coach who is a certified therapist. So those are the four people. It's worth it. Uh, It's worth it every time to have a team that's like that. So what I'm hearing is... In mediation, your expert is, generally speaking, a lawyer. I would think so. And only one person. Mm -hmm. And in collaborative, your experts could be non-lawyers to help you with the emotional issues and the Mm -hmm. child custody issues. And they could be uh, financial professionals to help you with the division of assets and the appraisal experts, Mm -hmm. all those types of things. That's what I hear you saying. That's right. And um, last year in the case that I was telling you about earlier where we had people living, they'd been living apart for five years or so, and we did the whole thing through Zoom. Mm -hmm. In that case, we needed to bring in a real estate expert to talk about, to teach the team about whether it would be better to sell the house or keep it and Mm -hmm. its current value. So that really helped everyone. And that was different than just getting an appraisal. Because sometimes real estate professionals know more about the current market and what you can and can't do with the property than what an appraisal would show you. So the team agreed and we brought that person and it helped us move forward on what to do with the community residents. Well, okay. Again, I'm a cynic. And after this process, I, or whoever is divorcing, you know, knock on wood is not me. Okay. Um, Married, you know, 24 years almost now. So... Yay. Knock Um, on glass. (laughs) Knock on glass. (laughs) But after this whole process, I can't get that knucklehead to make a reasonable compromise. I mean, he or she was such an idiot in marriage and never could compromise about anything. And now at the end of this process, I, I can't get a good result. 
What do I do? Uh, in in that case, they need to seek out counsel from people that will give them the options. And then in certain cases, if you have a sociopath on the other side or someone with borderline personality disorder, you know, those types of things are those types of people are very hard to make agreements with that they'll stick to. Yeah. And the professionals have to give that opinion. They have to say this is not the right type of case for a collaborative case. Okay, but let's say I go through the collaborative process and I can't get the result. Okay, I've very, I've never seen that in any, any of my collaborative cases because okay. they're set up right from the beginning. But in the beginning, everyone signs a participation agreement that basically states, if we do not reach an agreement on all issues, we are conflicted off and we cannot go to trial. We can't be your litigation lawyers. So there's skin in the game from the very beginning by the parties and all the professionals they choose in for the team. Everyone has an investment in its success because- okay. If it fails, they're off. Yeah. They're disqualified. And then they'd have to just go to trial. That's right. And then that's double the expense, if not triple. I mean, nobody wants that. And so there's skin in the game. People are invested in their collaborative cases. It, so you be, you began to mention, it's not for everyone. You began mm-hmm. to mention that. Yeah. Tell me about that. There are people that where mediation would work just as well. Okay. Okay. They have smaller estates. They're substantially agreed. All they need is maybe a scrivener to draft up and handle the documents. There might be one little issue or something that a good skilled mediator could help them resolve. And in that case, maybe a collaborative team would be more than what they need. Okay. Okay. So sometimes mediation is the better, is the better route for certain types of, of estates and people. Okay. Okay. Um, in other cases, litigation is your only alternative. There's okay. nothing you can do sometimes. People will not. They're very oppositional. People have um, diagnoses of oppositional defiance disorder. Those people will never enter into an agreement without a judge telling them. Yeah. So if that's what you're dealing with, you have to acknowledge it and say, well, okay, this option is not, you know, it's not an option for you guys. Sorry. Yeah. That's a hard conversation with a client. Yeah. I'm, I'm uh, you know, I've been doing it for 25 years. Here's what I do. Here's what I do. Here's what I do. Here's what I do. Let's fit, pick the best one for you. Yeah. And your family. Yeah. And the outcome you're looking for. Yeah. Those conversations can be incredibly difficult um, because everyone wants things their way. I mean, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, not me. <laughs> <laughs> Never. <laughs> Let me ask you in the collaborative process, do I lose control? Uh, no, no, never. You Why have not? It, because the professionals are brought in to help the parties understand their rights and their issues and speak it at the meetings. It, this seems this seems new age a little bit. Okay, I mean, yeah. ha, it, mm-hmm. how 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 can I trust it? How long has it been around? Who who even started this idea? Yeah, I mean, as a as a you know, red-blooded American <laughs> who loves litigation. Yeah. Shouldn't I be in the courtroom? Well, how, tell how, me some history. How long ago was 1990? A long time ago. 30 years. Wait, not that long ago. Yeah. Not that long. <laughs> so the guy who started it, Stu Webb in Minneapolis, Minnesota, said, hey, you know, I think that I, I can, we, 
this is a better way. And it was brand new, of course, controversial. And it still is controversial in some of these states where, you know, they've only done it one way. They haven't even introduced mediation, you know, non-progressive states. But this is a very progressive idea, but it goes back 30 years. And there's an international association now, and it's actually all over the world. Yeah, it's all over the world now. It's the International Association of Collaborative Practitioners, and they have annual training meetings and everything. And there are some states in our country that are a little more progressive. So they took on to it. Um, Dallas and Austin, Texas are big on collaborative. San Francisco, San Diego, Los, uh, uh, Los Angeles. And there are other states where it's really taken hold. Well, we're finally in Arizona. We're finally pushing it forward. And it is happening here. And um, I'm a big believer, obviously, in it for the right people, for the right case, the right estate. I like the way you're I like the way you're approaching it. Um, I really like what I'm hearing. I've played devil's advocate, but I really like what I'm hearing about the process. It's so destructive litigation and we can't, we have to acknowledge it as attorneys. We have to acknowledge it that this is litigation We is destructive and, and that sort of thing is not good for our clients and our clients make up, you know, the people of this country and half of Americans will be divorced and therefore half of the Americans will be going through this destructive process. Man, if we could come up with ways. Well, this is one way that I have found. I'm very proud of the work that we've done on every single collaborative case I've been a part of. It is progressive, and it's different than what you've seen on TV or in those shows like The War of the Roses and that. You know, we inherited our litigation system from, from England. And when they first started doing courtroom verbal battles, they called it combat. And your opposing party is an adversary. And instead of killing them with a sword, you know, jousting them, we learned how to kill with words. And so we are evolving beyond that now. And we're saying, you know, it's time for real democracy where people really can speak and come to a consensus with the help of other professionals. Christy, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. It was really interesting to hear this stuff, and uh, I look forward to meeting you out in the legal world again. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Folks, thank you for listening. This has been the podcast, Is That Even Legal? A discussion of what's legal. Just as a reminder, this is not legal advice for you. This is general information. It's meant to be educational. If you have specific legal needs... Don't be afraid to reach out to an attorney to get good legal advice. Attorneys are lovable. They're fun. They want to hear from you. See you next time.